When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Today on the Family Brain, I'll be talking with Rebecca Weller, author of A Happier Hour, I came across the book A Happier Hour on one of those Facebook-sponsored ad things, and it just kind of caught my eye, and I read it in a day. I loved her honesty and openness in sort of telling the tale of her own struggle with alcohol and her role as a health and wellness coach and sort of feeling a little false in her advertising, given that she was a health and wellness coach and was struggling with her own um, use of alcohol. And I just thought it was such an open and inviting, it's almost like an invitation to try something different. Um, And so I really was inspired by her and I thought she had some great advice for all of us. Uh, I think I know personally, I end up talking about this kind of thing with girlfriends a lot just, you know, is this too much? Are we drinking too much? Is this too much? And and not really knowing, you know, is this okay or is this not okay? And I what I really like that she talks about is that it's really, is it working for you? You know, I think sometimes we are so quick to, well, I don't, I'm not as bad as this person, or I don't do this, so it's gonna be okay. And I don't know, it was just a good reflection for me of like, what's, what's working for me and what's not working for me. And, you know, if we're all trying to live our best lives here, what, what are some changes that we might need to make? So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode with Rebecca Weller. Thanks. I guess I first wanted to talk to you about, so I read your book. That's how I learned about you. And what was really fun to me is I was telling a friend about our upcoming conversation and I kind of just told her a little bit about um, what your work is. And she said, that sounds like a happier hour, the book. And I was like, that's who it is. So you are, you know, getting your name out there. It's very exciting. Oh, how wonderful. It's so funny, isn't it? Like it's such a small world. It really is. I think it's more like two degrees of separation. I love that. Well, and anybody you want to chit chat with, they probably have similar taste in books. So, um, but so I guess I wanted to first just ask you a little bit about how you first got interested or involved in the health industry in general. Is that something you always wanted to do, or is that something that you just found through the twists and turns of life? I did. You know, I, I as many women um, have experienced, I had this real body image issue and I had uh, a sort of constant battle with the scales and with the food that I was eating and I suffered from a lot of uh, little niggling things as well like eczema and um, I used to get uh, sort of serious gut pains and things like that but not serious enough to sort of seek help for but just to sort of you know think that it was normal and it was um, in 2011 I decided to follow a vegan lifestyle and that was really what started my whole 
wellness journey because, I mean, I didn't know anyone who was vegan. I mean, this is 2011, you know, it's not like it is now. Right. <laughs> and all of my friends and family were like, what on earth do you, are you going to eat now? And I started this little uh, blog and it was through that blog, you know, I started to uh, interact with other uh, vegan bloggers. I just loved having that creative outlet where I was sharing what I was making, like the different uh, meals that I was making and what I was learning. And many friends and family and colleagues would be asking me about, you know, what what the lifestyle was like. And that's when I started to feel a bit of a responsibility to be a healthy vegan because I wasn't at the time. I was eating a lot of packaged things and, you know, anything that had the label vegan. I was eating and so I started researching different nutrition schools and I was still working in the in the corporate world at this stage I was working as a cost engineer for a global energy company so very very different yes <laughs> and I, but I was just fascinated by um, nutrition and everything I was learning so I enrolled to study at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition um, they're based in New York but you can study by correspondence and it was there that my awakening happened. <laughs> it was there that I discovered that, oh, food isn't simply calories or, you know, whether it would make me fat or wouldn't make me fat, which is pretty much all I saw food as. Right. And that's often all we're taught, really, right? I mean, it's like, it's hard. You really sometimes have to do a, little, a lot of work on your own to find a different message. You really do. And I didn't understand the way that, I mean, intellectually, I knew that nutrition had an impact on our on our bodies, but I didn't understand how much of an impact it has, not only on our physical bodies, but on our mental state, on our emotional state, in the way that we perceive the world. You know, it, it has the ability to change everything. This was revolutionary to me. And that was what really inspired me to keep going down that journey and to, um, eventually turn my life upside down to become a health coach. <laughs> and so your blog is, is, is it still called vegan sparkles? Is, is that the name of your blog? Yes. Okay. And then, um, we, cause we can add a link for my show notes. Yes, absolutely. And so that one, I haven't um, posted anything to okay. since we created sexy sobriety, but it's still there and it still has a lot of um, traffic and, and, and a lot of people get a lot of joy out of the recipes. Well, I love that. So I guess sort of moving forward, that sounds like, so is the healthier lifestyle what sort of put you on the path to starting this sobriety coaching business? Or I, sort of walk me through what the, the transformation was there. So you were eating vegan, but you were drinking. I was, yeah. exactly. You know, later on, because I started studying at the at IAN in 2013, at the beginning of the year, and before the end of the year, before I'd even graduated, I resigned from my corporate career <laughs> and decided I was going to become a health coach. And all of my colleagues thought I was completely bonkers. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I was just so inspired by what I was learning about wellness that I was thinking, I need to share this with others. Like, this is changing my life. I can only imagine what it does for others. But I did still have this binge drinking issue where, you know, for many years I'd been working in these industries where we had social functions every week and, you know, there's every Friday night we were out for drinks. Often when I was working in the banking world, it was uh, Friday lunch times as well we would start. And when I started my own business as a health coach, I thought this binge drinking issue would magically disappear, you know, just because, well, I'm a health coach now, but it didn't. The thing about starting your own business is that you're doing so many things for the first time, and it's confronting and scary, and you don't know what you're doing, and I found that I started couch drinking a lot more, where I would, you know, get scared about something or push myself a little bit too far, and then I would sink into a bottle of wine at the end of the day. And, you know, this went on for the first six months of me running this business. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I had clients at that stage. I'm giving Skype sessions. I'm running group programs. But at the same time, behind closed doors, I had this binge drinking issue. Had everything else figured out. You know, I had the self-care down. I had the, the, the nutrition down. But not the alcohol issue. Just, it just prolonged. Like, it just went on and on. And Do you think that there's partial? Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, do you think that part of that is that alcohol is just so normalized in our world? It's just, was it, was it even on your radar that this was an issue or was it just something like people do this and it's not a big deal? I didn't have any sober role models and that's the thing and like I know it's like this in the States in the UK and so many other countries as well and in Australia it's just such a huge drinking culture that exactly I thought it was normal like I thought well this is what people do and every you know everything you open if you open Facebook you see every meme under the sun going past about needing a drink to cope with everything in life yes and I, you know, I knew that I wanted to be healthier, but I didn't understand what that could look like. I really didn't know, you know, I had no sober role models. I had no idea what it could actually be like. And one and of the people on on. I had talked to recently was telling me, and this is something I guess that was a new way of thinking about things for me, is that I think I always thought about either you're an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic. I guess I never really yeah. thought about it as a spectrum and that it's not so such a black and white thing. And I think sometimes that's where we can maybe convince ourselves, well, we don't have a problem because we're not like that, you know? Exactly. And, then, you know, that was something that I, I covered in my book as well, that I would often look at other women in my social circles and think, well, she's worse than me, so I don't have a problem. Right. <laughs> I'm not at that stage yet. We're constantly comparing. And also, I did think either you're an alcoholic or you're normal. Like, I didn't understand this huge spectrum of addiction. I didn't understand that there is this huge gray area of problem drinking. And so it was actually when I sat down in a, a Skype session with one of my beautiful clients and she said, you know, sometimes when I'm lonely, I, I drink more. And I heard myself say, well, that's okay. And I was horrified because I knew that it's not okay. You know, mm -hmm. it's not okay to hide in, in any addiction to um, numb ourselves to what's really going on. And that was one of the big turning moments that I thought, what am I doing here? Like, if I'm really going to make this, this business work, if, if I really value helping others and helping them to get healthier, then I need to start here. Like, I need to start in the mirror. <laughs> and it is, I mean, I have caught myself after starting this podcast and sort of, you know, talking about healthy family life. And I catch myself making jokes sometimes about, Oh, well, if we're going to camp, we better make sure there's some wine there. You know, and I catch myself not only for myself and what is what am I saying about myself and what's that all about, but also just if someone's struggling, I don't it's 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 more on my radar screen these days, I guess is what I'm saying. It's so deeply ingrained in us now. You know, this a few decades ago it wasn't like this. It wasn't people weren't drinking as much as they are now. So it wasn't as deeply ingrained. So it is something that is really hard. Even I remember I went to um, see my yoga teacher and I was telling her about an award that I was going to uh, collect and I had to give a speech and I was a little bit nervous about it. And she said, oh, you'll be fine. Just have a glass of champagne. And I thought, even, for my, even from the yoga teacher. Right. Well, and sometimes yoga will have, uh, you know, like a mom's, I know they had this at the yoga place I go to where it was a mom's and, um, day, like mimosas something, you know, and of course you can choose not to have it, but it's just the fact that it's available in all of these different places, kids, birthday parties everywhere. Chuck E. Cheese has it. I don't know if you guys have Chuck E. Cheese. Do you have Chuck E. Cheese? It's terrible. It, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there is a wine bar. That's where a group of my friends gets together because it's just, you know, um, yes, that is correct information. Um, but yeah, I guess it's all to say it's just so around us all the time that it's sometimes I think hard to see what is really healthier for you, you know, as an individual, is this really the life and the choices I want to be making? So what are some of the things that, um, or the, the tips or the suggestions that you have found in your own life that have been really helpful for your clients? Is that sort of where you start or do you start with, you know, the individual circumstances with each person? We start with 
Uh, you know, the program that we created, uh, you know, when I was about uh, seven or eight months sober, which was very um, soon into my journey, like I look back now and I think, holy moly. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of sounds like pressure, right? Months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I was so inspired by what I was discovering about myself throughout my journey that I wanted to create a program to help other women. And so in there, I sh we share... Um, Steps like uh, every single day they get access to a new lesson and I call it 90 lessons in self-love because I believe that that's what it all comes down to so we start with how they can take better care of themselves because you know as women we are we wear so many hats and especially in this modern age we have so many responsibilities and so many things going on that we can put ourselves at the bottom of our to-do list and I think that's when we get really depleted and can feel like we need to lean on a quick fix like wine. No, it's so true. I, I think that's it's very true. We're actually coming to the end of the school year here with my kids. And I noticed even with myself, you just kind of, it's easy to make excuses like, well, I might drink a little more right now, but I kind of need to because it's the end of the school year. Or, you know, you can kind of start making, I know you mentioned this in your book, making kind of deals with yourself like, well, I'm not going to have anything during the week, but on the weekends. And so what do you suggest for people who find themselves sort of in that space where they're making deals or, I mean, I'm sure it's a very, it's, you're not going to be able to commit to anything unless it's your own decision, I guess. But what do you say to people who are sort of in that middle space? They're not really convinced that stopping drinking is something they want to do, but they're in that middle space. What do you, what would you say? I would say approach it as an experiment. So this is what I did when I started my sober journey because I didn't think I could go for 90 days or, you know, three months without alcohol. Like, that was unfathomable to me and terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And I got so emotional about it. So I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can do 30 days. And I'll approach it as an experiment and I will sort of think of myself as the mad scientist and I would take lab notes and you know I just found this was such a great way to not let it be too confronting and to try to have a little bit of a sense of humor about it I also um, you know I did get very emotional throughout the journey which I think is just part of the growing process but also it helps me to not think about the thoughts of forever because just like with that black and white thinking about we either have alcoholics or normal drinkers which is actually not true you know the same can be said of if we think of oh that this means I'm never going to drink again which can completely freak us out and keep us from actually experiencing what it can be like so I would say to those women approach it as an experiment just say okay you know for the next three months and, and I often like to say we can think of this as a season so you could say okay for for summer I'm not going to or for spring or for fall <laughs> you say are were the most surprising things for you in becoming sober and just your own realizations about your own body and how you process things? Mm, first of all, I 
didn't understand how good I could feel <laughs> physically. <laughs> like my, my body, uh, I had just put it through so much because I would binge drink on the weekends and then just as I was starting to feel better later in the week, I would do it all over again. So I didn't have the opportunity to feel, to see what it felt like to actually feel like I'm, I, I feel amazing. And now sometimes when I don't drink enough water or if I haven't had enough sleep, I'll wake up and think, oh, this feeling, it feels a little bit like a mild hangover. And I remind myself how glad I am I never have to experience that again. That's so good. <laughs> uh, so that, you know, that was physically. But mentally, the clarity that came with it, and I know because I used to binge drink and blackout, I would... Um, often have times where I wasn't sure if things had ha- actually happened or not. You know, I would I would have, I'd watch TV shows late at night while I was drinking and I couldn't remember what happened in them. So I was, I, then I would have strange dreams and I'd wake up at 3 a.m. staring at the ceiling wondering why the hell I kept doing this to myself. And the clarity that came from all of that falling away, I think part of that was also the emotional energy that it takes to battle with yourself constantly of thinking, I'll only drink two nights this week, but then you drink three, or I'll only drink uh, two drinks tonight, but then you have seven. You know, this constant to and fro, and even going to the shops was this huge, big uh, internal battle for me where I would think, oh, I should get some wine. Oh, no, no, but I want to feel good tomorrow. Oh, but what if someone comes over? Oh, but I did say I would go to that yoga class tomorrow. You know, this back and forward was so exhausting. And when that was all gone, when it all fell away, I had all this clarity and I I could look around and all this energy where I was like, what am I going to do with myself now? This is a little bit exciting where actually I thought that people that didn't drink were boring. It turns out that I was boring because I was doing the same thing over and over and over. And now that I've stopped, what could I experience? You know, what new things and adventures could I go on now that I can get up the first thing in the morning and not have a problem? You know, I can, I can um, take all that money that I used to spend on alcohol and channel it into new hobbies and adventures. I mean, I'm excited about it. You're encouraging me. I can see how your enthusiasm for this is, you know, gets people motivated because it is, I think that that's one of those things when you're talking about people don't know how much energy they could actually have. I don't, I think that's true for a lot of people. I don't think that that's actually an abnormal thing is if people took better care of themselves. And this is one component of it and myself included, if we took better care of ourselves, just how much energy we could have. Exactly. I feel better now than I have ever felt in my adult life. And I'm 43 now. So, you know, I'm 43 too. I love 40s. The 40s are the best, aren't they? Anytime anybody's turning 40, I'm like, 40s are the best. I love it. <laughs> when you're coming into your own, right? Yes. I would not change it for the world. You kind of lose the insecurity of sort of the younger years. And, you know, there's other things that start to change, but I'll take it. I'd rather have that than insecurity. My body can droop. It's fine. <laughs> exactly, right? Wisdom, everything else gets better. Oh, it's so true. So I know one of the things that you talk about is just this idea of, and it actually kind of goes hand in hand with turning 43 and kind of what is your true authentic self. And I know that's one of the things you talk about is just, when you have this clarity, you can kind of have a more um, clear vision of what you do want for yourself, that it's kind of hard to see sort of what your gift to the world might be if it's clouded. So true. It's such a great question because there are little things like I believed that I was an extrovert because I was always the first woman at the bar getting everyone else drinks and making sure everyone had a great time and I couldn't wait for the next social event. And when I stopped drinking, I realized, oh, actually, I think I'm an introvert. And when I thought back to before I started drinking, I thought, yeah, I was quite shy and introverted. And it's only natural that, you know, that's who I actually am. And so I started to have social interactions that aligned with that authenticity of of being who I actually am and realizing maybe I don't want to go to these huge big events anymore. Maybe I'd prefer to sit 
down one-on-one with a friend and sort of look into her eyes and have a deep connection rather than all of these um, connections that I had been having over the past couple of decades. So that was, you know, one one awakening, and I hear that from a lot of our members as well, of discovering, oh, okay, the way that I like to socialize has changed. <laughs> and I think being honoring that is such a beautiful thing where then you can start to discover the things that you actually like to do. For so long, I believed I like to, you know, go to, go to certain concerts or go to certain uh, restaurants. But when I stopped drinking, I realized, actually, I only like going to those because of the alcohol. Like, I like to go there and drink the wine. That's all, really. And so now I'm like, oh, okay, I actually like all these other things. Who knew? <laughs> um, what did you discover I, that you What did you discover that you love that you didn't know? I love daytimes. Daytimes, yes. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking about this the other day. I actually shared a, a story on social because I put this, now polish on my fingers that I, I had for a long time and it was like a dark brick red and I was walking around and I was thinking it doesn't look right why do I love this so much this is so strange and then I realized I was a night person <laughs> I always like going out at night I could have quite happily skipped the days completely thank you very much and so you know discovering oh actually now I prefer to be out and about during the day so when I have catch-ups with friends instead of going to the bars and things that we used to, I meet them for walks around the river or for a, a brunch in the morning or for a, a cinema session during the day. Like I love all these daytime activities, which was so, uh, it sounds so simple, but it really blew my mind. It's really almost a whole yeah. different crew. So did you end up having to change some of your relationships? Were there relationships that didn't stick as a result of all of these changes? Was that well, a... There were, and I and I think that's you know very very common because we have when I was drinking I would surround myself with other people who wanted to do what I wanted to do which was to drink more. So <laughs> when I stopped drinking, it's like if you were uh, you loved going canoeing and then you had an injury and you couldn't canoe anymore. Well, if you're going to hang out with those friends, they're still going to be canoeing. Right. <laughs> And you might get crap from those canoeing friends, like, dude, you're not cool anymore now that you don't canoe. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was such a process for me to start evolving. First of all, I, I actually reached out to those friends and family that I hadn't wanted to hang out with before because they didn't drink. Suddenly I was like, maybe they have something to teach me. Maybe I need to foster these relationships now that I'm not drinking. Um, so that was one way, but also with my uh, other group of friends, I tried to evolve the relationship. So instead of uh, going to the bars and so on, I would invite them to different things. Like there was a hula hoop lesson in the park, and you know, at first I would invite my group of friends, and I said, "Does anyone want to come to yoga?" And they were all like, "No, thanks. Yoga's not my thing." <laughs> oh, okay. Does anyone want to come to brunch? Oh, no thanks. That's in the morning. You know, I'm going out the night before. Oh, okay. And then finally I said, does anyone want to come to the hula hoop lessons in the park? And one of my friends was like, yeah, I'll come to that. And we went and we killed ourselves laughing. We had such a great time. And that was the first moment that I realized, oh, okay, I'm going to have to put in a lot of work if I want to keep these friends and evolve them. And, you know, I have to keep putting myself out there as well. And asking them, would you like to come to something else if that's what I want to do? Basically taking responsibility for myself, my life, and my connections. So I did that. Some friendships fell away. Some some were just about the drinking. And I had to learn to be okay with that and to understand that we're at different phases of our life and that that's okay. And those ones that fell away allowed room for new ones to come in. The funny thing about living in your authentic truth is that you start to attract others who are also on that journey. And that is where you have such exciting connections. I went to an event on Sunday and there were, it was a huge group of women and they were all they had all created their own businesses where, you know, one was creating dinnerware, like had a pottery business and one had um, created a floral business and one was doing juices. Like basically they'd found something that was really exciting to them and developed that further and, and created a career out of it. And you start to 
you know, have these deep and meaningful uh, conversations with people as opposed to what I used to do at big parties was, you know, I would be talking to someone, but part of my mind was always concentrating on the alcohol. Do I have enough wine with me? Where's the bar? When is it closing? You know, can I drink more of this drink and not let anyone notice? I was very preoccupied. So now I notice that with my connections, I am so there. I'm 100% present and ready to talk to them. What would you recommend if you are a friend to someone who's trying to change their habits um, with drinking? What would you say are some things that friends, family can do to sort of help the person feel supported and and that you're there for them, even if it's not something you're doing yourself. (coughs) This one's such a tricky one, right? Because sometimes we're not ready to hear it. Like I remember a few friends sort of would make comments about my drinking and I promptly uh, ended the friendship. (laughs) You know, I would just avoid them afterwards until I was actually ready to. But if they have friends and family who have mentioned that they think that maybe they are drinking too much, maybe it's affecting them, maybe they want to start an experiment, then I would say uh, go with them to daytime activities, you know, go with them um, to smoothie dates or uh, morning uh, yoga sessions or things like that. Um, Movement activities are usually really, really good. And also, you know, if there are any books and videos and things that you come across that you think might help them, you know, send them that way, send them to them as well, and basically be there for them. Like if you go for with them for a walk or something, that's often a really beautiful chance to have a chat that doesn't feel confronting because you're both facing forward, you're both walking along, and sometimes that leads to the best heart-to-hearts where they can be very scared to talk about this issue and to be honest with others because they're probably still struggling with the honesty within themselves. So, you know, just basically just be there for them and take their lead on what you think that they need. I like that because I think that's one of those things where sometimes people, when someone is going through a change, it can be easy to just avoid because you're not sure what to say or what to do. And I think sometimes just listening is a good way to go. Um, one of the things that you talk a lot about too is self-care and I wanted to hear what your thoughts are about self-care and, um, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of times people will be like, oh, I got my nails done. That's my self-care. And what I'm sort of realizing (laughs) is that self-care is sort of more of a all the time job. And I'm just curious what your, your perspective is on that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I used to think that as well. Self-care is a massage or a bubble bath. <laughs> That's as far as it goes, which is a beautiful treat. It does make you feel good, but it goes much deeper than that. And I like to think of this as parenting ourselves. I think when we leave our parents' home, we believe, oh, okay, I'm an adult now. I can do whatever I like. <laughs> and that's where we can get into trouble. So I think of self-care as doing those things that you would do for your children, as in, you know, they don't want to go for vaccinations or they don't want to go for, um, you know, um, uh, what else? What am I uh, Shots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to go to those things because they're not fun, but they're so good for them. And so um, you're doing these kinds of things for yourself where you're taking yourself for your health checks, you're going to the dentist, you're um, uh, taking yourself to bed early, even if you want to really have a Netflix marathon, (laughs) you know, where you were doing all of these things that you know uh, deep down are good for you, especially choosing your long-term health and happiness over um, instant gratification. So maybe it's also about starting a savings account Maybe it's about eating better, you know, choosing better nutrition. Maybe it's about creating uh, connections that really lift you up and avoiding toxic people. Maybe it's about um, embarking on a spirituality journey. You know, whatever calls to you, it's these kind of long-term parenting ourselves techniques I think that self-care really come down to. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I'm still learning. I mean... 
And I guess that's part of the journey, right? Is that we're just continuing to learn how to do that parenting to ourselves in better ways. You know, you kind of get to, I personally get to these plateaus where I'm like, okay, I got this. And then you're very quickly humbled and you're like, oh, maybe I still have some things I need to learn. Exactly. And you know, many people say that we become stuck at the emotional maturity that we were when we first started drinking, those of us that drink heavily. And I definitely could see that in myself. Like I could see that the way that I approached things, I was very much a 16 year old in my head, whether it was the way I interacted in relationships or the way that I thought that I should take care of myself. Like I would avoid uh, these um, health checks or I would avoid looking at my savings account. You know, I would avoid all these things because I was like, I don't want to deal with that. And it was such a journey to become an adult <laughs> at the age of 39. <laughs> well, sometimes it's much later than that. So I think 39 is a fine, <laughs> fine number. One of the, um, someone I was talking to recently, um, was talking about her own sobriety and her big thing is, um, self-compassion and just being sort of gentle with yourself in the process. And I love that idea. And that's so, to me, that's just so applicable to so many things in our lives is, you know, we just can be so hard on ourselves. Well, you're not doing it right. Or you messed up or, you know, and just having that idea of, like a child, how would you treat a child? Would you berate the child, you know, or would you, you know, say you made a mistake and let's do better next time? Exactly. Where did I hear? I heard a beautiful story about um, a baby learning to walk, a toddler, and they were saying, the, when the baby falls over, you don't say, oh, well, too bad, you know, you're not yeah. walking. <laughs> you're like, you have another go, have another go until they eventually get there. You know that they will get there in the end. You don't just say, oh, well, you've tried three times. You're not good at that. Right. But <laughs> and I thought this is such a beautiful way to think about it. It's so true. And how often do we do that to ourselves? You know, we, we take the first step and fall over and we're like, you just stink at that. Just why did you even try? And then this, the tape in your head just is off with it. It is, absolutely. And I remember once we, uh, my, my love is also my business partner and we did an, an interview together and afterwards he said, oh, I think we did really well for our first time. And I had been halfway through this whole loop in my head of I didn't do this right, I didn't do that right. And I, I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, you know, I, I have been so hard on myself. I did this thing for the first time. <laughs> like, what am I doing it's here? It's so and I true. Yeah, as women, we, we can be our own um, biggest critic as opposed to our own biggest cheerleader. And that's something we talk about a lot in the program is changing that self-talk. I love that. Well, that's when I was talk thinking about doing this podcast. I was talking to someone who had been doing podcasts before, and I said, well, how, how do you make it good the first time? And, you know, I'm just kind of that type A perfectionist type. And he's like, oh, it won't be good the first time. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh. And he's like, but you'll get better. It's fine. And I was like, okay, I can do that. You know, but I almost needed someone to say that out loud. You're not going to do, you're not going to be Oprah, you know, the first go round and just kind of take that expectation away. either we believe that oh in every episode for example I will get better but it doesn't always work that way you know sometimes we will have a good show and sometimes it'll be a, a little bit rocky I find that the same with myself when I'm doing interviews for the program and you know just being okay with that and going hey so it, what does it matter I'm getting better I'm growing every single day and that's all that matters right and how many chances that we don't take just because we don't you know we think we won't do it right the first time or we're, I mean, even with when in talking about stopping drinking, you know, well, I probably couldn't do it, so I'm not going to try. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's so many people who think that. Exactly. And another beautiful life story I heard was about um, children and doing a yoga class with little kindergartners. And the, the woman who was writing, I think it was Mel Robbins in her book, she was saying that when they were doing these poses, like tree pose, for example, they 
their main um, ambition was to fall over and have fun with it. And she said she'd just come from an adult class where they were doing tree pose and everyone was sort of clenching their butts and <laughs> holding themselves so tightly so that they didn't do it wrong. Whereas these children were just having joy and, and just experimenting. And I think that's such a beautiful story as well to make us remember that this whole life, it's about us learning, it's about us growing as we do things. And so this um, perfectionism, it really holds us back and it's something that I still work on every day as well. Well, and I think that that's, I was going to ask you what, why you think this is such a thing that happens. I know men struggle equally with alcoholism. Actually, I don't know. Do women struggle more with alcoholism than men or is it pretty equal? The women's numbers are out outranking the men for the first time. Hmm. And I'm just wondering, do you think that this perfectionism or the superwoman has something to do with this? What What do you, just from all the people you talk to, I know you, you don't have a research study or anything, but just it's, I'm sure you do to a certain extent, just based on all the people you talk to. What is your sense of where, where this is coming from? I believe it is that, that we, we have so much pressure on us to do so many roles now, but also that it, I mean, alcohol is marketed heavily. We have wine culture now, like for example, I was reading a book that said a couple of decades ago, uh, play dates would, you know, the mums would get together and they'd have a cup of tea, not have wine, and now it's very much ingrained. And, all of these memes and things, I think social media has exacerbated the issue where obviously we didn't have social media a couple of decades ago either. (laughs) So things are very different now and I think think women, uh, you know, for me, when I was drinking, I thought of it as um, a rite of passage but also as sort of my right as a, as a woman, as a feminist, as a, you know, I, that I could drink as much as I wanted, just like the guys, and no one was going to stop me. <laughs> but That's I, I interesting. Women yeah. That, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a rebellious thing. That makes um, sense, yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I think there is that going on in the corporate world, and then in the um, mother's group. I mean, we have a lot of women who are mothers in the program, and they say that, it is hard to make connections with other mothers um, because every event revolves around drinking as well. So it is very, it's very interesting to see where we're going, and I think it's really to women's detriment. Um, obviously, our bodies are smaller than men's; we can't handle as much um, toxins as as men do, and it really interferes with so many things. I mean, we have hormones uh, every month that are changing things in our bodies, and all of these things interact where then we, we're left with these hangovers that uh, we then have to sort of deal with and, you know, if, whether we're parents or getting children ready for school and so on. You know, it's, it's just this ongoing issue that then at the end of the day, these women are so depleted, they're so exhausted that it seems like the easy solution. And then the cycle just kind of continues. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, I have loved talking to you. I have one last question, but before I ask it, I'm just curious, is there anything that you were really hoping to share that I didn't ask you about? I'll, I'll make sure to have uh, links to your websites and your books and all of that in our show notes so everybody can find you. I did enjoy your book. I loved it. That's what got me excited about talking to you. I read it, I think, in one day. It was really, really good. I loved it. It it was very well written and so relatable. You know, I think it's just, there's so many stories, you know, I mean, you could just be one of my friends, you know, that's it. And because I think sometimes I've read things about drinking or drinking too much. And it's so, I mean, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about before about like, oh, well, I don't do that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just so off. and, And that that's life too. But yours was very relatable and very fun to read. So. I highly recommend it. I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And and that's the thing as well. Like I think, um, you know, approaching this as an experiment and also understanding that it doesn't matter how much you drink. It matters how you are affected the next day. So, you know, if anyone listening, if you feel like 
alcohol is maybe taking away more than it's giving your life. Maybe it's affecting your relationships, your finances, your peace of mind. Maybe it's affecting you the way that you um, want to do things in the world. Maybe you have big ambitions for different adventures you'd like to go on. You know, whatever it is for you, it's okay to take a break, to, to do an experiment and just see where it takes you because I never would have thought I would change my entire um, business to be helping other women to get sober. Like that is just, my, my family still laughs about it because I was the biggest drinker they knew. And for me to, you know, find that it completely changed everything within me and also throughout my life to then be so uh, inspired to help other women to do the same, to just experience it for themselves so that they can understand what it actually feels like. You know, that I never believed that could have happened. So you never know where this journey can take you. And the, the stories that I love most from our members are about um, the women who say that I didn't understand how much this journey would change my relationships, as in, you know, their, their family is so much closer as a result, but also the ones who say that I didn't understand where it would take me, I didn't understand that these were my passions and interests, and now I'm on a completely different path, like it has completely changed my life because I'm doing things I never thought I could do before, and that is really what I hope um, every woman has the opportunity to experience. I love that. That's great. It's almost like the blinders come off and you see this whole new possibility. And I read something that you had written or said that um, just about how you can transform your biggest flaw into your gift. And I love that you're doing that, that this was the thing that was kind of, I don't know if it was a secret, but just something that you weren't super proud of. And now you're turning it around into something that's helping so many people. And I just think that's very powerful. Thank you so much. And it was like I, I was so ashamed. I didn't want to tell anyone about my drinking issues, and I really didn't. Like it, I would keep my friendship groups very separate, so that if I drank too much in front of one friendship group, I would move on to the next one and, and avoid that one for a little while. And no one really knew how much of an issue it was behind closed doors. And I hear this from so many other women as well. Um, and you know, to really um, experience freedom from that is just the biggest gift that I've ever been given and that I've ever given myself. Well, I love hearing you talk about it. It, it gets me excited about maybe doing an experiment. Um, I guess, so my last question is, um, and I ask this for every podcast, not just because you love self-care, um, but I, so the podcast is called The Family Brain. And um, the idea is that the well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family whether it's your parents or your kids or, you know, just the people that are in your family system. Um, but one of the things that I talk a lot about is how self-care, you can't take care of that family system unless you're taking care of yourself. So I was curious what your favorite self-care practice is. Oh, great question. Hmm. Let me see. I think movement is my favorite because um, it's something that like, doesn't come naturally to me. I've never been a fan of exercise. <laughs> but I find that it changes me, as in I am so much such a nicer person to be around. <laughs> I, I, um, it changes me mentally and emotionally, and obviously it does physically, but I like those benefits the most. So I build that into every day because it's something that doesn't come naturally to me that, that I have to kind of force myself to get out. Again, it comes back to parenting ourselves, right? Of like, come on, mm-hmm. on, sweetie, we're going out, mm-hmm. we're going for a run. And then I come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, why do I fight it? It feels so good and I feel so much happier and I sleep better and it becomes this beautiful knock-on effect. So that is one of my favorites. Um, and I, gosh, I have so many where, you know, even the things like the health checks, the, the finances, the, the um, ensuring that I have uh, deep connections with others, you know, all of those things. But I think movement makes the biggest difference in my immediate day. <laughs> I love that. That is very true for me also. It's funny. I know you mentioned you like yoga and I always, you know, they have the lights down low and I'm laying there waiting for class to be ready. 
I'm like, why am I here? Why am I here? Can I still leave? Is that weird? And then you get started and you're not going to leave. And then at the end, you're like, I'm so glad I stayed. But there's always that kind of like, is there a trap door? Because I, I need to leave right now. I would, I need to be home comfortable on my couch. Yeah. No, I'm the exact same way. I understand. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And I think you're going to have so much good information to share with our listeners. And I'm excited to share uh, your book, A Happier Hour, and your podcast. I mean, not your podcast, your um, blog. Is it a blog? I guess website, company. What do you call it? Okay. Membership program. Okay. Your membership program, Sexy Sobriety. Oh, I didn't ask you about that. Why you named it Sexy Sobriety? I was kind of curious. Sorry. One last question. That's it. And, and it's a good one, right? Because um, my my love actually came up with that. Because we had vegan sparkles, I was thinking sparkles sobriety. Like I was going down that path and he was like, no, no, no. There's nothing sexier <laughs> than a woman who is in control of herself. And I started to think about it and I said, gosh, when I was drinking, I thought I was the most powerful seductress on earth. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes. A few drinks and it's like, hey. <laughs> and when I thought about what I actually looked like, I was probably more like a drunken buffoon. So I thought, yeah, it is so sexy to take control of your life, to do something a little bit rebellious, as in to, do, to go against the grain and walk the path less traveled in this big drinking society and say, actually, I'm doing something good for myself and I'm going to explore what happens. That is so sexy. And so, you know, at first I, when my love suggested it, I was like, well, it sounds like a strange name. But then I came to think, actually, yeah, everything I'd ever read about sobriety was that it was dull and boring. What if it's not? What if it's actually the most exciting journey I ever go on? And so that was what um, inspired us to, to stick with the name. I love that. I love that. It's kind of a big reframe, you know, like this doesn't have to be boring. This is, we can, we can take that back and make it something better. I love it. Well, thank you so much. If you're in the United States, definitely let me know so we can send people to go and see you. I mean, people can see you in Australia too. It's just really far. (laughs) But it was so awesome talking. I know my husband went uh, for a trip and I was like, are you there yet? Are you there yet? (laughs) Takes a while. Um, well, I love talking to you. I would love to hang out with you if you're, if you're over this way at some point. Um, and I will definitely send people to your, uh, website. Thank you so much, Megan. I absolutely love talking to you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.